So welcome to the Meaningful Jobs podcast season three. I'm your host, Adrian, and today we're extremely honored to welcome Carl Crickle, who is from K9 for Warriors, um, a company that trains service dogs for veterans. So how are you doing, Carl? Hope you're doing well. Yeah, doing well, Adrian. Thank you so much for having me. So the reason why I was so excited for this interview is because it's um, it's because of the nature of uh, K9 for Warriors work, because they train up uh, veterans, uh, sorry, train up uh, service dogs for veterans, and it's really related to what our viewers are looking for, which is, you know, meaning of work aside from just monetary rewards. So, you know, I, I think based on your profile, Carl, I don't think you got into um, an industry related to veterans at first, right? So you went on um, to different marketing roles before you got on to where you are. So can you tell us a little bit about how this, um, you know, uh, journey came about? Sure. So I'm actually from the New York area, uh, born and raised. And I spent my career after graduating from NYU in marketing uh, in the entertainment world. Um, I worked in the film industry, the TV industry, uh, and then moved into market research for the film and television industry. Um, and really, really enjoyed that, had a great time, learned a lot, um, really got uh, an understanding of analytics, which is something that I've carried throughout my entire career. Um, but one of the things that really impacted me uh, early in my life while I was in college um, was 9-11. I, I was an NYU student living just a few blocks away from the towers, and uh, it really impacted me uh, significantly. I mean, I had my own, my own issues, uh, you know, having kind of lived through that trauma, and, um, you know, after the, the marketing career and entertainment career, um, I, I got an MBA from NYU, uh, which I really uh, was, was fantastic. Um, and then I had an opportunity to work at the 9-11 Memorial and Museum as their head of marketing. So I thought this was a great way to kind of deal with the stuff that I'd been avoiding uh, when it came to 9-11. It was a subject that I didn't want to talk about. I didn't want to watch it on TV. I didn't want to deal with it. And when I got contacted about the position, it seemed like one of those God moments. Like, you know, the world is telling me that you need to really deal with this and here's the way you're going to deal with it. Yeah. And uh, I took that opportunity to do that. Um, and it was a tremendously uh, fulfilling experience. And that's really where I found myself, uh, you know, realizing that when you're working for kind of a greater good, there is something that um, that is more rewarding. And uh, while at the 9-11 Memorial Museum, um, I really felt that. I felt like I was helping individuals um, confront something that's scary, learn more about something that is not comfortable. Um, and, and I was doing it for myself at that time as well. Mm. Um, and I really, really found a lot of fulfillment in that work. And um, during my time in New York, I, I, my wife and I decided to you know, kind of look around and get out of the city. Um, and Canines for Warriors had a chief marketing officer position. And I saw this as a really amazing way to continue doing the work that I was doing at 9-11, kind of helping people deal with the after effects of 9-11 um, by helping the men and women who actually went to war because of that day. So I, I saw it as a kind of a continuation of, of the, the work I had been doing, um, and, and, but actually also helping the, the folks who fought in these conflicts um, after after that day. So I came down here about three years ago, um, took on the chief marketing and development role, uh, had a lot of impact in terms of their ability to fundraise and spread awareness of the mission. And uh, last year was promoted to chief executive officer 
of the organization, which um, is was you know an honor, something that uh, I don't take lightly. Um, it's a lot of work. You know, we have 200 plus staff. We have 150 plus dogs at any given time. We have veterans who have um, you know PTSD. It's 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 not easy um, for for a lot of these ladies and gentlemen to get through the day. So there's a lot of moving pieces. It's a lot of hard work, but ultimately it's it's really rewarding. It was very interesting when you um, talked about 9-11 because we actually had a recent guest who also suffered, um, you know, having seen the live events unfolding in 9-11 and he used music as a way to get through it and spreading his love as he's, you know, a musician. And, you know, for yourself, um, you kind of use your marketing related skills to help others. So, you know, without 9-11, how do you think your career would have been? Do you think it would be completely different? Like, would you still be in marketing? Yeah, I think that it would be um, a lot more media heavy and less kind of nonprofit related. I do believe that. Um, yeah, I think the trajectory would have continued in um, in media within the marketing world. So how did you get into marketing in the first place? Like, were you interested in marketing from a young age or was that something that you got to come to grips maybe in the latter stages of your maybe studies, I think. Uh, as an undergraduate, I interned at uh, entertainment companies, um, Nickelodeon, Comedy Central, um, within their advertising and promotions departments. And I really, I loved, um, I loved the speed of advertisements. I loved the, the pressure of having to communicate a lot in a short amount of time. Um, I'm a quick communicator. It's kind of, you know, maybe it's where I was raised, probably because I come from a gigantic family that doesn't listen. So you have to speak really, you have to speak really quickly or else no one, no one hears you. Um, but uh, no, I I guess people started early. It started as an undergraduate. And then I think the thing that really pushed me over the edge when it came to marketing is, um, there's the creative side of it, which I was part of, you know, putting together promotions and advertisements. And then there's the data side of it, kind of the analytics where you're looking at, you know, who this who this advertisement is targeting. Um, and then you have obviously the advertising success, you know, when, if it's online, there's a ton of digital data behind that. Um, but really the, the marrying of numbers and creativity um, was what really drew me to marketing because I do feel like I have, I'm a very analytical person, but I also have a creative, uh, you know, kind of edge to me. So that's that's kind of what what drove me in that direction. And it, it did start early. I'd say, like I said, undergraduate is when I really, really fell in love with the the marketing field. So obviously you had a few years in a for-profit organization in a commercial role and then switching to an NGO. So, um, you know, how was there like a particular time point in your career where you think I've had enough of um, working in a for-profit role? And wanting to switch into an NGO role, or is it something that is that has happened more naturally? I'd say more naturally. There wasn't a moment um, where I said, "That's it for me. I'm done working just mm-hmm. for money." Um, I think it it happened organically. The 9/11 Memorial Museum job kind of was presented to me. I didn't go seeking it. That's why I think it was kind of a larger kind of the the larger forces of the universe showing yeah. me the path. Um, so no, it, and, and it, it just, the path was kind of illuminated for me and I just decided to take the step, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't something where I, I made that declaration in terms of a shift in my career. Mm. So, you know, moving on and talking about um, canines for warriors, 
Can you tell us what um, your day-to-day role is and a little bit about your company, so how it helps uh, vets? Yeah, I'll start with the overview. So um, we pair, we're the largest service dog provider to military veterans with PTSD, TBI, and MST, military sexual trauma. We've been around since 2011. Um, Early next year, we'll have paired 1,000 dogs with warriors, which is tremendous. Um, The program works like this. We procure dogs, majority rescue. Um, We bring them onto our campus once they, you know, we obviously temperament test them. They have to be a certain size and weight. Bring them to our campus, train them to be a service dog, which means they perform tasks. Um, It's not an emotional support animal. Mm. And about you know, 40 to 50% of the dogs make it through the program and actually graduate as service dogs. The half that don't, we find forever homes out. So we're always adopting dogs. Um, but once- Sorry, can I ask how you source these dogs? Is there like a particular way you do this? Yeah, absolutely. So we have relationship with shelters all over the Southeast. We're based in Florida and Texas. So the shelter system in Florida and Texas, we're always looking for, for uh, shelter dogs that fit our, our temperament and, and, and size and weight. We also have a puppy program where people donate puppies. Um, and we also have uh, partnerships with, uh, with organizations that, that uh, provide dogs to us. Um, so there's three main, main kind of uh, ways we procure dogs, rescues being the majority, um, because that is something that we're trying to, to help, which is the you know, preventing the euthanasia of dogs, because uh, yeah. it is an issue in this country. So um, in terms of, yeah. you know, how your how your dogs help vets, can you tell us a little bit about how that works? Yeah, so the, the program, the way the program works is every month we bring in a new class of veterans, right? So yeah. in Florida, it's about 12 on campus. In Texas, it's about four. It, it varies. Um, and they come here day one. They get acclimated on a Sunday. Monday, they get paired with their dog. This dog is a... Well, that's a quick process. Yes, um, but the pairing is how lots happening in the background before they even get here in terms of understanding who that veteran is, what his lifestyle like or her lifestyle is like, what, what do they have children, what do they do every day, um, and then finding the dog that really matches that personality. So the following day, they get paired with their dog, and then they spend three weeks on our campus. It's a residential program. We have housing here. We provide meals for the veteran to learn how to utilize that dog. So the dog is fully trained. It is a service dog. The veteran is not training the dog. We're really training the veteran how to utilize that dog. So the dog provides a lot of different services, a lot of different tasks. So whether it's you know, if the veterans at the ATM and their backs exposed, that dog will actually watch the, the veteran six, right? It'll actually look the other way to ensure that no one's coming because there's a vulnerability there with veterans when their backs are exposed. So the dog will look back. If you're in a crowded space, the dog will actually make space for you so you can navigate through a crowd. Uh, if you have mobility issues, there's a brace command where the dog will actually brace its back so you can use the back of the dog to stand up. There's also my lap, which is a, 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 a command that's used when the veteran is having an anxiety attack and the dog will jump up, put his paws on the, on the veteran's lap, and that it immediately has a soothing effect on their well-being. And there's a number of other tasks, but I think the point really is that there's a, a a real bond that happens where there's more safety felt by the veteran, there's companionship, there's also a reason to get out of the house, um, a reason to wake up. You know, a lot of these folks who are dealing with PTSD, I don't know if you know anyone who's ever had it or has it, 
Um, but they they like to isolate. They like to stay home. They don't want to engage with the world. They're scared. They don't want to go to the supermarket. It's overwhelming. And this dog allows them to kind of get back into life. And we see that all the time. Um, you know, individuals come here who haven't left their house barely at all in three years. Wow. And then after our program, a couple months with the dog, they're going to the supermarket by themselves. Um, so it's really a tool to get them back to life. It doesn't cure PTSD. It helps them better navigate the world and live a fuller existence. I think the interesting about the uh, the interesting thing about this is that you know when I did psychology back at school, one of the things that I learned um, treating lonely people was to give them a pet. Mm-hmm. And you know, seeing you guys doing the exact same thing and having this sort of positive impact. I guess it's a bit of a full circle thing for me because I haven't really seen this in practice before. So I'm just wondering if your organization is one of the first of its kind doing this or um, do you know any other organizations doing a similar thing? Yeah, there we are one of the kind of pioneers, I guess, in this space. And because of that, we take a lot of leadership um, when it comes to uh, legislation, trying to get uh, the VA to subsidize service dogs for veterans. Um, and really make the the, uh, the the VA understand the efficacy of service dogs. And because of that, we've done a lot of research, um, third-party research. So we have uh, the O'Hare Laboratories, which is now based in the University of Arizona. It used to be in Purdue. Do studies of our veterans and the impact of service dogs on their mental health. One such study was uh, testing the cortisol levels, which indicates stress and anxiety uh, in veterans with PTSD who have emotional support animals as a baseline, and then those who have service dogs. Um, and the te- that, that study really led to um, some incredibly uh, relevant data that really tells the, really st- tells the story of what we see every day, which was that the veterans with PTSD who had service dogs, their anxiety and, and uh, levels were equivalent to the normal population. And those who had emotional support animals were much higher. So um, the impact is there. We have scientific research to back it. And that's relevant because in order to get the government to subsidize this, um, you have to show that it's, that it's real, right? That it's, that, that it's not just anecdotal. So my point in saying that is because we're, we're pioneers in kind of this space, we've, we've led the way in, in kind of uh, bringing more attention to this tool, this modality as a way to get, uh, as an alternative treatment for PTSD. But there are a lot of other organizations that have come up within the last 10 to 15 years that are doing the same thing. And we, we love it. I, I, you know, it's one of those things where there's a lot of veterans out there who have PTSD. We can't take care of all of them. So the more, the merrier. I don't, I don't see it as competition. I, I really mm-hmm. see it as um, all of us collectively trying to, to make a dent in a really serious problem. Speaking about cortisol levels, they must be pretty high up as a CEO. Um, I don't know about your experience, but how stressful would it what uh, is it for you to uh, run a mid-sized uh, company, I would say, as a CEO? I'd say it is. Um, it, it has its moments. I mean, there's a lot of variables when you're dealing with, you know, 160 dogs, um, a lot of them re- uh, shelter dogs, and obviously shelter dogs have more baggage. It's just, you know, it's like humans. It's like the more trauma you've been through, the, the more you kind of have to work through and and um, so there's there's the dog aspect of it. And then you have veterans who, you know, you, we really need to take care of well. Um, yeah. So there's 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 a lot that we really focus on to make sure we do the right things. And, and it, it mm-hmm. takes a lot of effort, a lot of focus. 
there's a lot of great people here who are here for the right reasons. And that makes my job easier because I don't have to be involved with everything. Um, but it is, it is stressful. It's not easy. You know, um, I would say every day comes with a little surprise. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, like I said, there's an amazing staff here and great people that, that help solve problems. And that's, that's why we're here. We're not here to sit in the problem. We're here to find solutions. So it's a unique, it's a unique organization that comes with unique challenges. So I'm interested in knowing about whether veterans are, whether you guys help veterans integrate back into society, because obviously with a lot of them having PTSD and other problems, it might take them, you know, a few months with a service dog um, just to recover. And after that, uh, what kind of support do you continue to give uh, veterans and do a lot of them get another job uh, in society? Yeah, so we do help. I mean, that's part of what we do is helping helping these ladies and gentlemen kind of reintroduce themselves to society. Um, the dog is a, is a great kind of, you know, catalyst for that. Um, after they graduate, so after the three-week program, we check in on them regularly. We have a whole warrior operations department that ensures that that transition is going well, not only for the veteran and the dog, but for the wife of that veteran or the husband of that veteran or the children of that veteran to under to to really ensure that the caretakers right the folks who have been helping this individual with PTSD for a long time are transitioning with that dog in their house as well so ensuring that the the household itself is is uh is um moving forward in a good direction because it's a transition getting a dog is not a small thing mm -hmm. um and uh so after the dog after the warrior graduates we we check in on them regularly um, if they have issues that are are specific to their service dog, we help them. You know, let's say that their their employer has a problem with the service dog. You know, we we ensure that they have their the proper legal understanding of what a service dog is and what the rules and regulations are. And we help that person as much as possible. If they have an HOA issue, you know, say their apartment is a, is not dog friendly, we help them navigate that as well. So, we're, we are we are helping the, the the point of the dog is to make their life easier, not harder. So if if hurdles are come up, we 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 help mitigate them as best as we can. So after being, you know, with um, your organization for a couple of years now, um, how do you find uh, meaning in the work you do? And how does this differ from that of a for profit organization that you worked before? Well, I mean, very simply, you're not just looking at bottom line. Hmm. Um, you're not just looking at sales. You're looking at obviously we need to make we need to raise money in order to keep doing what we're doing. So unfortunately, money is a focus, a pretty big focus. But you're looking at you're looking at output. You're looking at how many dogs did we save? How many veterans did we pair with dogs? How are those veterans doing? You know, and so the the metrics that you're looking at are a lot wider than um, than bottom line. Um, because our impact, money is just a mechanism to have impact, right? So the real the real testament to our success is the number of canine warriors graduating every year and every month. Um, and there's a lot of work that goes into that. And that's really the difference is that like that's that's the figure that you're looking at. And money is just kind of a means to an end. It's it allows us to do this and do more of it. So that that's probably the biggest difference. So in terms of perhaps people who might be struggling in their careers, uh, would you recommend them to maybe try out a career in a non-profit organization? 
like how difficult is it to join an NGO and continue to keep that passion? Because we've had um, guests before who worked for NGOs, obviously for a bigger cause, but you know, burnt out pretty easily due to the workload and the relatively less pay. So how would you encourage people to maybe make this transition? I think that if you care about something um, immensely and you don't have real value in what you do every day presently, it's worth exploring. Um, but it has to be the right organization. It has to be the right mission. And it has to make sense for you. Or, or, you know, and, and your skills and your skill set. So, uh, you know, it's not something you just jump into. I think that if, 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 if people want to find a more meaningful um, in, form of employment, um, research the things you care about. If you care about, you know, plastic in the ocean, figure out what organizations are cleaning up those oceans and figure out what jobs they have available and see if it aligns with what you want to do. Um, but I, I think that the transition is there. I think that as a nonprofit uh, executive, I can tell you that, you know, somebody who's coming from the private sector who applies for a job, I'm absolutely looking at them for certain roles because, you know, they're, they, they, you don't have to have nonprofit experience to be successful in a nonprofit. Um, and and uh, it says something when someone's transferring over from a, from a for-profit where their salary might be a little higher in order to do work here. It says that they're motivated not just by money, but actually by by impact. So that's a huge plus in terms of uh, looking at candidates. So just uh, lastly, uh, before we end, you know, on the subject of um, hiring, is uh, K9s for Warriors hiring at the moment? And if so, what are the kind of people uh, you're looking for? Yeah, I, I believe we have some jobs posted on our website. I'm not exactly sure what, what's up there, but uh, K9sforwarriors.org. That's uh, the letter K, number nine, S, for warriors.org. Um, you can look at our jobs there. Uh, we, we I'll want include passion. this. We want... um, I'll include the careers link as well in the description. Okay, sure. Yeah. Thank you very much, Adrian. I would say, you know, we're looking for passionate people. You know, mm -hmm. people love dogs. I mean, we have a lot of people on our staff who are just dog crazy, which is fantastic. <laughs> Uh, people who really understand canines because it's a it's a science, no doubt about it. Um, and we have people who are super passionate about veterans and people who are passionate about both. Um, and and people who just love to have a job where they're making a positive impact, you know, that that yeah. you know it could be something else, but it happens to be veterans and dogs, and they know that that's you know having having a positive impact. So passion is key. If you're going to put your time and energy into a nonprofit, you got to care. You got to yeah. care about the mission. You got to care about the quality of what you're putting out and the time and energy you're 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 doing it. So, um, you know, that's one of the key things we look for. Uh, well, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Carl, about your role in an NGO and you know, helping veterans so much in the work you're doing. Um, so you know, all the best to what you're doing, and yeah, thanks for the interview again. Thank you very much, Adrian. Take care.